ready to go. And God wanted me, evidently, to draw, drew me back to a message that most people would preach on the resurrection. But why do we only have to preach about the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday? There's no law says I can't preach it. So besides that, I didn't get enough resurrection songs last week. You know, that's an exciting time for us as believers, isn't it? You know, because it's, we know that because Jesus rose from the dead that we will one day. And I'm excited about that. And everyone here should be excited about that. So, and I had a little more warning about the, I was going to preach, so I got this verses up on the screen for you. John 20, 1 through 10. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the entrance. She went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, they have taken the, from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Then Peter and the other disciple went to the tomb. And two of them were running, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. He bent over and saw the linen cloth, but he did not go in. Behind him came Simon Peter, and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the clothes lying there and the cloth which had been around Jesus' head. It was not lying with a linen cloth, but was rolled up by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. They still did not understand the scripture which said that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples came, disciples went back home. Now the disciples returned home not knowing what to think. And I know that sometimes we criticize the disciples because of their lack of faith and lack of understanding because those are the ones that were the closest to Jesus. So if anyone should have understood what everything meant, it was them. So they were going home and, you know, wondering what in the world does this mean? Now, I want to put that in today's vernacular. How would you feel if when you went to the graveside of a loved one three days later and the dirt was out of the grave, the casket was opened, and the body was gone? What would we think? We'd go away shaking our head too. We'd call the cops and we'd have everybody in the town looking for that body. So that's kind of what was going on in their mind. They were thinking, when in the world could happen? You know, and I, I, I think that some of the stuff that Jesus said probably went through their mind. And when they got into town and started talking with the other disciples, you know, they probably were trying to find out, well, well is it this? Is it this? What's going on? You know? And probably a lot of them. Even though they didn't understand, they kind of said, oh, you're crazy. Like the Romans and the Pharisees, they thought somebody just came and stole his body. You know, the Pharisees came, and they wanted to desecrate his body or, or whatever. All kinds of things was probably going through their mind. Now, if we, our loved one was missing out of their grave, we would think a body snatcher took him. Because in the early turn of the century, people would steal bodies out of graves so they could... Uh, operate on them, do autopsies, not autopsies specifically, that they did it to understand the workings of the body. So, you know, we kind of condemn these body snatchers, but in the same time, because of what they did, the doctors have learned so much. Now we have cadavers, and those are people that donate their bodies to science to be operated or whatever they need to do. So students can practice surgery and all kinds of things. And then after they're done with it and everything, then they return it to the uh, loved ones or cremate it, whatever they want to do. And you can get money for this if you're interested. <laughs> you know, if you want to turn your body over to science when you die, they used to give you 500 bucks. But that was like, what, 30? No, it wasn't either, about 20 years ago, maybe, 25? Yeah, <laughs> so maybe they give you more money because I knew uh, uh, this uh, pastor's wife that I know, her mother did that. She got $500 and she signed her body over to science and so they operated on it and did whatever they wanted to do for X amount of time and then they gave the body back. 
So if you want to make money when you're dead, you can do it. <laughs> so I, I can understand the disciples' dismay. John 20, 11 through 13, Mary stood outside the tomb while she was crying. She bent over and looked in the tomb and saw two angels there dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been. One, on that, one at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, why are you crying, they asked her. They, so she answered, they have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. Now, I, wanted, I forgot to, I wanted to talk to you about before I started, that I wanted to look at some of the words that Jesus spoke after his resurrection. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all of them this morning, but I hope to be able to touch on a few of them. And maybe I'll continue it down the road somewhere. So, now I know that I preached the sermon from this verse that two angels were dressed in white, one sitting at the head and one at the feet. Now, if you'll remember from that message, I talked about how the Ark of the Covenant was with the mercy seat sitting on top of it, and the angels were bent, whatever, and their wings were spread across it and touched each other, one from each side. So in, in actuality, this was what they were commemorating, that Jesus' body was there, even though it was gone, and the angels were sitting just like he was in the mercy seat, and the sacrifice was between the, on the mercy seat. So, if you're interested in that whole message, you can ask for it and we'll find it for you. But that's kind of what it was. And that's exciting because everything that happens in God's word today is important. God never said anything in this book that wasn't important. Now, there's a lot of other things he could have put in his word. But John says if it were written, the world could not contain the volumes of books that could have been written about him. Because everything Jesus said was important. Now, I know that sometimes sitting around the campfire at night, they probably joked around and were having a good time, just like we do. How many have ever sat around a campfire? It's fun, isn't it? We sit there and sometimes we roast, roast hot dogs or whatever, marshmallows, and we have fun and we just talk. And we like looking at a fire and visiting and that kind of thing. So I believe that they did that. And I believe that Jesus was a funny man. He had a sense of humor. Because if he was just a grump all the time, who would want to follow him? You know? I may have the best truth there is in the world, but if I'm grumpy up here, nobody's going to want to come. So I believe that. I believe he had a sense of humor. And uh, the disciples loved to be around him. That's why people followed him, not only for his teaching, but because they were attracted to who he was. They probably didn't know that he was the son of God in the sense that we understand it, but they still just could not stay away from him. <clears throat> but Mary stayed at the tomb, the empty tomb, crying. And when we tarry, Sometimes we miss the things that other people see because they're not there. So there's something to be said about tarrying before God. Now, the resurrection of Christ was a miracle, one of the greatest miracles this world has ever known. But the second greatest miracle this world has ever known is salvation and God saving us and cleansing us from our sin. Dying on the cross in our place. And then rising from the dead to complete our salvation. Now that's a great message. Those two miracles is enough. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he provided salvation. Without the resurrection, there's no salvation and no hope beyond the grave. Now if we don't have a hope beyond the grave, I wouldn't be here. You know, I could be home watching TV. I know there isn't a lot of sports on today to watch, but, you know. But I, if there was no hope beyond the grave, I wouldn't be here. And neither would you probably, because what's the sense? Might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. 
enjoy this life because this is all I've got. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to waste my time in church. But when we come to church, Jesus is here. Now I can sense his presence. And hopefully you are so tuned to, the, to him that you can sense his presence. Because he promised to be here. But not only that, every one of us that believe in him brought Jesus with you. Through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' Spirit lives within us. So he never leaves us or no, forsakes us. And wherever we go, we take the Holy Spirit with him, with us. So when all of us are gathered here this morning with the Spirit living in us, we can have a party. Our spirit men are having a party this morning. And they're excited about this message. And I'm excited about this message. Hallelujah. John 20, 14 and 15. Then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who is it that you were looking for? She thought he was the gardener. So she said to him, if you took him away, sir, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Now the first words that Jesus spoke was to a woman. Now that was a slap in the face of all the beginning of time. How dare Jesus speak the first words to a woman? <clears throat> Doesn't he know that they're just property and they aren't worth anything? What's the matter with him? Now, women's freedom started with Jesus. Jesus is the one that liberated women. There's still a lot of countries in this world that keep women oppressed. And our government is so stupid that they support those nations. <clears throat> and they have communities in Michigan, Deer, Dearborn or Michigan, where they have a Muslim section where we aren't really welcome to go there. And they practice laws that I don't see how we as Americans can allow. I know we're familiar with circumcision of the male, that's common. But they circumcise females, and it is not a fun thing that the women go through for that. Because they do it because they do not want the women to enjoy having relations with their husbands. That's why they did it, so they can control them more and more and more. And women have no rights in that religion and that society. But Jesus freed us. And he put an exclamation point upon it when his first words were to Mary. And he was, Jesus asked Mary, why are you crying and who are you looking for? Now Mary didn't recognize Jesus. Maybe because her eyes were so full of tears and such anguish in her soul that she didn't recognize him. Or maybe it was because the scars he bore on his body that she didn't recognize him. Now, Jesus is the only one that will carry scars in heaven. The only one. Now, think about that for a minute. He promised to deliver us and give us a perfect body. All in the middle of my body's going to be gone, and I'm going to have the body, my body's going to be perfect. Amen. Hallelujah. That's exciting. But he's carrying his scars to eternity. And that's good for us because when we see those scars, we can say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And we don't ever want to forget throughout all eternity that Jesus died for our sin. And because of that and his resurrection, we're there. So it's exciting. And I'm anxious to see those scars. It's going to be hard for me to look at them, though. Because it just breaks your heart when you think about what Jesus went through for us. We watch things on TV that are pretty gruesome. <clears throat> and we sit there and a lot of times the things that they show, we turn our head away because we don't want, want to watch it. And I think that today we show too much gruesomeness in this world. And we are so desensitized to death and suffering 
that are, we have a generation of kids growing up that don't know nothing about anything. And they don't value life. And their parents didn't teach them right. If the parents controlled their kids, we wouldn't need to worry about gun control. Hallelujah. Now, gun control has nothing to do with guns and everything about control. Because if we don't have a way to protect ourselves, we're at their mercy. And I will never, ever, ever give up my gun. <clears throat> I don't care who they are. They want to come and get them. They'll get them one bullet at a time. Because I refuse to do it because our Constitution allows for it. And in Deerfield, Illinois, they have to turn in their rifles. And if they don't, it's a thousand dollars a day fine. Now come on, that's the society we live in. They just get so crazy, but they don't seem concerned about the hundreds or the thousands of kids that are killed on the streets of Chicago every day. 738, I think, it is murders in Chicago so far. That's a lot of people dying. Do you see anybody in the streets with signs protesting it? No. Because George Soros, who funds all these protests, doesn't care about that. All he cares about is destroying America and destroying Israel. That's what he cares about, and that's what his goal is. <clears throat> so he pays these protesters $15 an hour to go protest. These kid generations raised up, they don't understand anything. They don't know our history at all. They want to remove every statue that we have that represents our history. And without history, without a reminder of our history, we're destined to repeat it. And so they're tearing down all our statues and all the things. And the people like Abraham Lincoln, who fought against slavery, and all these other people that fought against slavery, and they're pulling their signs down too, because they had slaves at some time in their life. Well, there were black people that had slaves. Did you know that? The ones that were free, because not all of the, of the African American were slaves. They had slaves. If you had money, you had slaves, period. You had to show your papers to prove that you were free. But if you were free, they left you alone. So it isn't about that. And if we don't teach our kids about where we came from. I was watching this week, and they were questioning kids on the street, and they asked them, who won the Civil War? And they didn't know. When they asked the first one, they said, there, mm, 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 uh, I don't know. Around. I thought, well, okay, that's just one case. But they asked 10 people, 10 young people, <clears throat> not one of them knew. And they asked them, who is our vice president? And they did not know. That's the generation that's going to take our place. And if we don't knock some sense into them, parents, we are going to be at the mercy of stupidity. We're already there now said, I believe we've got a reprieve for at least four to eight years, and I want to take advantage of it. And I think my personal belief is at the end of that, we'll be in heaven. They can have this place. I don't care. But as long as I'm here, I want righteousness, and I want to remember our history. I want to remember where we came from. And the same thing happens in churches today. They don't teach all of this. They only teach the parts they like. And people are, go there in droves because they like to hear how wonderful we are and how special we are. And so they like that and they're drawn to that. And if I preached that, this place would be packed. But I won't preach that because that isn't the truth. We're sinners. Jesus took us all out of the gutter because we were sinners. And when you're a sinner, we're in the gutter by God's standards. We're, we're nothing but our righteousness is like filthy rags. And Jesus come and died and saved us. Now, I won't ever forget that. And I don't care what other people do. Here, I will preach the whole Bible, not just the parts I like. And we need to get back to our roots as a nation and as a church. Amen? 
Now, I think the main reason Jesus didn't recognize, Mary didn't recognize Jesus, was that she wasn't looking for him. You can't find somebody if you're not looking for them. And she had no, nothing in her imagination that would have thought that Jesus was alive. So she wasn't looking for him. And so that's why she went to the, what she thought was the gardener. Where's Jesus? Where'd you take him? I'll take, I'll take him away. See, Jesus loved, Jesus, Mary loved Jesus more than the disciples did because she tarried there. And why did Mary love Jesus more? Because Jesus forgave her of more sin. She was demon-possessed, and she was a harlot. And Jesus forgave her. And that's why she sat at his feet and hung on every word, and she loved him deeply because he was the only one that accepted her as an outcast. So she loved him more. And she'd hang around the tomb, and I believe she would have died at the tomb if Jesus hadn't rose from the dead. Now, other people can believe what they want, but she was willing to try and carry him away. Now, that's something for a woman to try to carry away a man. That heavy. I'll take care of him. Because she was in such grief in her heart. <clears throat> now, the people who aren't looking for Jesus today won't find him. Jesus' first words responded to Mary's tears, and she was in agony over losing him. And that's the only thing that mattered. She was just so broken inside. And we understand, we've lost loved ones, how hard it is for us to do that. But for her, it was an extremely difficult time. <clears throat> John 20, 16. Jesus said, Mary, said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and said in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now Mary was the first name that Jesus spoke. How about that? How would you like to have been the first words after the resurrection on Jesus' lips? Man, that's exciting. <coughs> and I th it was exciting for her. And she didn't recognize him until he called her name. Then she recognized him because she had heard him call her name, speak her name so many times that she knew him. And as soon as she, he did that, she recognized him. And all of a sudden, her grief was turned to joy. <clears throat> Christ knew his disciples and didn't forget their names, and he doesn't forget our names too. Jesus knew people after his resurrection, and so will we. 1 John 3, 2b. Oh, what did I do? Oh, that's it. But we know that when Christ appears, we, we will, shall be like him, because we shall see him as he really is. Now, the disciples knew Moses and Elijah on the Mount Transfiguration, even though they never met him. They never met them. It was in the Old Testament thousands of years before them. But they knew who they were, and they knew who Jesus was. Because Jesus didn't exist when he became um, life in Mary's womb. That isn't when Jesus started existing. He existed from the beginning of time. So when Moses and Elijah went there, they were no Jesus because he was there. So that wasn't a surprise to them. And they come to be a witness, I don't know, to encourage him or encourage the disciples' faith. God never does anything without a purpose and a plan. <clears throat> now, when we, we will know each other, and we will know people we have never met. Now, I'm excited about that part. I, I want to talk to Paul a while. I want to talk to Moses. Don't you? It's going to be an exciting time. Man, I'll tell you, by the time they get through the whole church, it's going to be there. It's going to be a long time, but it'll only be a drop in the bucket in eternity. And we get to have audience with them. We get to sit down and talk to King David, Solomon. I don't know who else is going to be there, but if you read the great names in the Bible, Jehoshaphat, all these great names that we've we read about all the time and all the disciples. 
that we, we become familiar with in the New Testament. And the disciples, we're going to meet them. And we're going to get to talk to them. It's going to be exciting. And I look forward to that. I know that sometimes we don't like going to uh, reunions. I like going to our family reunions. They were, they were kind of fun, you know, when I was a kid. And when I got older, you know, because they had beer. But Randy's family reunions weren't so much fun because they were of the common religion of the area. And all they wanted to do was talk about the genealogy of this and the genealogy of that and all this garbage. So I didn't like going to that. We went to one. That was it. That was enough. That was one too many. But the food was good, so, you know, that was a highlight. <laughs> But generally, reunions aren't something we look forward to sometimes. Well, I'm looking forward to that reunion. I'm looking forward to going to heaven and meeting all the saints from the beginning of time till the end of time. I'm looking forward to that. And it's going to be exciting. Now, if you're not excited about that, you need to start thinking more about heaven. We're so held down by this world and the problems of this world, we can't think See past them. But we need to look past them and look at the future. We plan for our future on this earth, don't we? Some of you here have just completed your nurses' training and that kind of stuff. So we plan for our future. We plan on what we want to do. And I'm looking forward past that future to the future with Christ. And this body is really screaming out, I want to go home. <laughs> when you get older, you'll understand that. Now, I'm 70 years old, and I'll tell you, this body feels like it's 150. I wonder what it's like to take a step without pain. I'm going to find out one day. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be like Mary. More given, because my body's going to be need more reconstruction than yours will. <laughs> so, <clears throat> John twenty seventeen. Do not hold on to me, Jesus told her, because I have not yet gone gone back up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to Him, who is my Father and their Father, my God and their God. Now, this verse is confusing because he told Mary not to hang on to him, and yet a few verses later he tells Thomas, put your hands in the nail holes. Touch me and see that it's me. So what was it? Jesus didn't want to be touched by a woman? Had nothing to do with that. He said, he gives us the answer in the other part of the verse. He says, because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. Now, Jesus had to go sprinkle his blood that he shed on the cross on the mercy seat that was in heaven. And Jesus took time before he went to respond to Mary's tears. Now, the most important thing at that time was Jesus getting up there and sprinkling the blood on the Mercy seat in heaven. But he took time and was had compassion for Mary. And he responded. Now I know some of you are sitting there thinking that I'm preaching heresy here, but I got proof. I got verses. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant Moses made was exactly like the one in heaven. Exodus 25, 40. Make this tabernacle and all its furniture exactly like the pattern I will show you. He didn't say, after the measurements I give you. He said, after the pattern I will show you. And Hebrews 8, 5 says, they serve at the sanctuary. This is a copy, a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Moses got to look into heaven. 
long enough to get the measurements in his mind on how that ark needed to be framed and formed and built and it had to be exactly the same and everything that was in the tabernacle had a purpose and it was like a pattern that was in heaven. Now that tabernacle and all the furnishings wasn't just there because the thing was empty. There was a purpose for everything that was there. And God wanted it to be the same. <coughs> so, excuse me. so Jesus had to go up there and sprinkle his blood on the heavenly Ark of the Covenant, on the heavenly mercy seat. Because that's where salvation was. And if you remember the sacrifices of the high priest once a year at Passover was the only time the high priest got to go into the Holy of Holies and look upon the mercy seat. And he would go in there with blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. So the nation of Israel could be forgiven of their sins for another year. And he had to do the same thing for us because it was a type and a shadow of what he was doing. That's why we need to read it all. Otherwise, we miss so much. And I don't want to miss anything. Man, I'll tell you, there's some great things in this Bible. And there's some great things even in the scriptures that we skip over. I skip over the genealogies a lot because they're not important to me. I know a lot of people are into genealogies and they want to know where they came from. I don't care. <laughs> it isn't important to me. But it was important that God put it in there because Jesus had to come and be born of a certain lineage in order to be the Messiah. So it was important. That's the only reason God included the genealogies. And you'll notice they stopped at Jesus. That's what they stopped. Read it and you'll see. When Jesus was when Ruth begat this and begat that, and then Mary and Joseph, and both of them came from a Jewish line or from the tribe of Judah. They had to, both of them. Not just one of them. Even though Joseph wasn't the real father of Jesus, because God was, he still had to become from that lineage. Otherwise, they would never accept him as their Messiah. That's why. So... Read that, and you'll notice that it stops there because nothing is important after Jesus. It doesn't matter who's born afterwards. <laughs> but he had to come of a certain line. And that's what he did, and that's why God put it in there. <clears throat> now, Mary was the first evangelist because she was the only one that had the complete message of salvation. See, the, the, the disciples knew that Jesus died on the cross because they saw him die. But Mary not only was at the cross the whole time he was there watching him die, she was at the tomb and was the first one to see his resurrection. And without the resurrection, it doesn't matter. The cross is worthless. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no hope. So Jesus, or Mary had that complete message of the cross and the resurrection. And that's exciting. So all these people that tell you that women can't preach, number one, get, a, get the CD I did on that very subject, can a woman preach? And then tell them, well, how come Mary was the first evangelist? If women's words and preaching it wasn't important, why didn't he wait for Peter and John to show up to tell them? God doesn't care. And I tell people when they question me, I says, well, you know what? God knew I was a woman when he called me. Amen. He didn't go up there and I'm preaching and, there and, say, and Jesus says to God, oh no, what have I done? That's a woman I didn't notice. <laughs> or poop, I'm making you a man because you can't preach unless you're a man. <laughs> so God showed us that it's okay for women to preach because she had the first salvation message, the completion of salvation. John 20, 18 to 21. So Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and relayed to them what he had told her. 
It was late that Sunday evening because Jesus told her to go and she went. Jesus tells us to go and we stay. I don't know what's the matter with us. We always do the opposite. It's a little rebellion that's in us. I don't want to go there. Man, I don't care. I don't like my neighbors. They've done this, this, and this, and this, and I am not going to give them the good news because I don't care if they go to hell. We may not say it, but in our hearts sometimes we think it, don't we? You know, I tell people I'd like to be a fly on the wall when some of these politicians stand before God. The ones that have removed prayer out of school and the ones that are fighting under God in, the, in our flag when we talk our loyalty to our flag, one nation under God, indivisible of liberty and justice for all. They don't like that, so they're trying to erase that too. They don't want anything to do with that. So it'd be interesting to be there when they sit there and they, and they what are they going to say? Nothing. They're going to be on their knees because Jesus said every knee will bow and every mouth confess that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. So it don't matter what they say now. One day they're going to say that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. So we need to pray for our leaders, especially now, because we are getting a lot of resistance as far as the things that President Trump's trying to do. How dare he try and fulfill his promises? And that's what he's trying to do, and they don't like it. They like the deep state doing there, and they go and they make promises to its people, and they go into Washington and forget us. They do anything to get elected. They lie to us all the time. And that stinking Trump, what is, what's the matter with him trying to fulfill his promises? They said, you'll never build a wall. Well, I'll find a way. Sent troops to the border, and they're going to be building the wall while they're down there. We need a wall. They say, well, the wall won't work. Ask Israel if a wall works. That's a big, huge wall they got around Jerusalem. It's over, I don't know, over 30 feet tall, isn't it, honey? Almost 40? And it's wide, too. Talk about deep and wide. So it's awful hard to climb over that sucker. And once they put that wall up, terrorism went down 99%. But it doesn't work. That's why they don't want it, because it does work. And what are they going to do if they can't let all these people in here to vote illegally? How are we going to win if we don't have all these illegal votes? That's what they want. And once, if they ever legalize all these people that are here and allow them to vote, which will happen the minute the Democrats take control of the presidency, Congress and the House. They will legalize all those 12 million people. And what will happen after that is we'll never have another conservative in the White House. Never. Because you cannot counteract that many votes at one time. Difference. <clears throat> and a lot of people say, well, Trump didn't win the national election. Hillary won it by 3 million votes. No, she didn't. They didn't count all the votes. They didn't count all the, the what do you call those ballots, absentee ballots, that all the servicemen wait, and all the other ones for reasons that they sent them in. They didn't count them all because he had already won, so there was no sense counting them. And so she runs around saying, I won by three million votes. Well, I don't care because I wanted all those votes counted. And if that would have happened, he would have won the popular vote too. So, but I'm sick of all this stuff that we have, and he's doing his best, and I know we need to pray for him. Because if the, if the liberals have their way, not the ruling class, but some idiot that's out there, they'll want to take him out. So we need to pray for him. I know you may not like him, it doesn't matter. He's our president now, we pray for him. I didn't like Obama, but I still prayed for him. Sometimes it was God killing <laughs> but mostly I prayed that God would give him answer, that he would meet you and change his life. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray for him. Pray God's protection upon him. 
because he's doing his best. Even I know he makes some stupid decisions, and sometimes I wish he'd shut up his mouth too. <laughs> but he got elected because of that mouth, so <laughs> what am I to say? <laughs> so we need to pray for him. <clears throat> oh, I forgot where it was at here. Um, 20, 18, 21. So Mary, oh, the same evening, disciples, I already read that. Evening, and the disciples were gathered together behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace is with you, he said. Now remember, he didn't say peace to you. He said peace is with you. You say, what's the difference? It's a huge difference. Jesus is peace. He's the prince of peace. So he didn't say peace be unto you. He says peace is with you. And peace is what is with each and every one of us here this morning when Christ lives with us, in us. <clears throat> he said, after this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, reminded them again, peace is with you. Peace is with you because Jesus gives peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. Peace, not blame. Peace, not fault finding. Peace, not rebuke. We need to take some of these words to heart. If we allow the Prince of Peace dwelling in us to, to live more fully, then maybe our neighbors wouldn't hate us so much. Maybe. Now, sin takes away the peace and leaves us with a troubled heart and, a, and just troubled, period. And we just cannot rest because we're not at peace. There is no peace in this world. There's only war, fear, and trouble. This world is terrified about a war because it isn't going to be just a simple sword fight. We're talking about extinction-level war. But don't worry about that because Jesus said that he's not going to let this world be destroyed because he's coming back. And if this world is destroyed, how's he going to come back to something that isn't here? So don't worry about that. God will take care of it. And the closer it gets to those things, the more excited we should be as believers because one day Jesus is going to come. And if that don't fill your heart with joy and excitement, you need to pray again and read your scriptures that have to do with heaven because it's exciting. <clears throat> John 20, 21b and 22. And as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Read the Old Testament Genesis, you'll find that out. He may formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, but then he breathed in him the breath of life. But Jesus breathed spiritual life. Jesus told them to receive the Holy Spirit. They had to receive salvation. It didn't matter what Jesus breathed into them. If they didn't accept it, they couldn't have it. We have to receive salvation in order to have it doesn't matter if Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. If we don't receive it, in order to receive it, we have to believe it. Because that's the gospel. In a nutshell, Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and he was without sin. And he died, but he rose again. And because of that, we have hope. An exciting hope, because we know that one day we're going to be like him. And we're not going to be running worrying about all the things that we worry about now. And all the problems that we think we have in this world that are even that are real, sure they're real, but they won't matter to a hill of beans once Jesus comes and changes us. It won't matter. We'll sit there and say, man, why was I so concerned about that? But there's going to come a day that we are going to be able to do that. <clears throat> now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a different experience that wasn't given to the day of Pentecost. A lot of people try to convert... Uh, Try to say that these are the same thing, but they're not. The Bible says they're not. And if we don't have Pentecost, then God missed the feast. He had to fulfill the feast. And if the day of Pentecost, 
He sent the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is different than the Holy Spirit living inside of us as we, when we accept him as our Savior. <clears throat> now, Jesus gave us the call to service and the power to serve. All we have to do is what he told us to do. We are powerless without him. And that's why religion doesn't work. You can't live a religion. I don't care what religion it is. Pick one. Pick any of them. It doesn't matter. You cannot live it. I can't live a religion. That's why Jesus died on a cross so we can have a relationship with him. I can live a relationship. I live as a married woman because I'm married. I have a relationship with my husband. We talk. We do things together. We need to have a relationship with Christ. And that changes everything. You can keep your religion. I'll take the relationship. Because it's easier to live that than the other stuff. All the religion does is re help us realize how much we sin. That's all it does. And we need to realize that. Because if we don't realize that, we can't be saved. Because we have to be able to confess our sins. And if we don't confess and believe we've sinned, we can't confess them. And if we can't confess them, we can't be saved. So we need to come face to face with the reality that we're sinners. And we need to be saved. And that's the message. <clears throat> if Jesus took us home after we became believers, who would tell the world? If we were all gone as soon as we were saved, there wouldn't be anybody here to give the message. So we need somebody here. Somebody told us the message of salvation, and we're supposed to duplicate that process. And if everybody just witnessed to one person that got saved, this world would be completely changed in a very short period of time. You know, we talk about Ponzi schemes and the pyramid schemes. Well, God's pyramid scheme works. You get saved, you save one, they save one, now you have two, then two, have four, now we got eight, then we got 16, and, or more than that, I, I dealt it out, I don't, want, I don't know the math, I could have figured that out if I wanted to, but <clears throat> pretty soon everybody would be saved if we did that. Now, America is the only country that isn't got that many believers in it. We used to. We used to have great revivals in this nation, and there were so many believers in America, and there were so many people that believed God. This nation is formed on the foundation of Christianity. And yet, we look at our nation and we wonder what happened to it. Our forefathers are rolling over in their graves because of what has happened to our nation. The world needs to send missionaries here to us. And the only reason God hasn't showered his judgment upon us is because we send missionaries to the world. And like we told you a couple months ago, that every 30 seconds, a person is saved and is filled with the blood. Every 90 seconds, a person joins the church, the earthly church. Is that happening here? If that happened in Fredonia, the whole town would be here. But see, the world is more open to the gospel because they believe it. One guy went and preached at a country overseas, and he said to the people, I don't remember what the verse it was, but it started you know, talking about people being saved, and that they went out and, and preached his word, go and do likewise. And all the people got up and left. And he was shocked, and he asked the the pastor of, the, of that church, he said, what happened? Did I say something to offend him? He said, oh, no, they did exactly what you told them to do because they believed God's word. If I told you go and do likewise, we'd wait for the next sentence. <laughs> but we need to realize that, the, that over there they believe God's word, every word of it, and they have more miracles and they have more revivals because they believe it. What has happened to the American church? And when I say church, I mean as a whole, not a denomination, 
What's happened is we quit believing this. We quit believing that God is still in charge. And so we cower in fear at what's going on, and we wonder what in the world's going on. And we live in doubt and not fear. But Jesus died to give us hope. And it doesn't matter what happens to this body because I'm going to heaven. And I'm excited about that. <clears throat> now, I, am, I don't have time to go through the rest of this. I'll just cut it off here. But I know that Christ is risen because I've seen the empty tomb. If you ever get an opportunity to go to Israel, you need to go. Because no matter what, if you have Christ in your heart and you walk into that empty tomb and you look, you can sense a presence that you don't sense anywhere else. Israel was like that in general. Man, we got out of the plane in Israel and there was a presence there that you don't have here. Even though they're oppressed by the Palestinians and everybody else trying to divide them, nation and and all the world is telling them they should divide their land against the, between them and the Palestinians. Well, why don't they give them some land? They have a lot more. That ends up, they do not want Israel to have anything. They gave them half and then want three quarters. They won't be happy till every last Jew is dead. So we need to understand that. But I ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Does he live in your heart this morning? Are you cowering in fear at the thought of what's going on in this world? Are you afraid of dying? I know there's an apprehension there to everybody, and everybody says they, they wouldn't feel that. They're lying because there is an apprehension because it's the unknown. Even though we know we're going to heaven, it's the journey between here and there that we wonder about <laughs> You close your eyes here, you open your eyes in heaven. That's the reality of it. That's what the book says. And I believe it. But do you know him this morning? Let's pray. <clears throat> Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful for everyone.